He tells us here we are in a battle. We are in a fight. But if we gear up, if we take the resources that God has given us and take them into battle, then you and I will be assured of a victorious life. And so this morning we want to read this. And I want to ask if you're physically able to stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word as we read about the armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in all His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you are fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, in which, is, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. That is good news, that His good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am now in chains, still preaching this messenger as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. And God, we, um, we just thank you. That you have not left us alone. That you have not left us helpless that you have not pushed us out into a field of landmines without any encouragement or instruction or protection. But, Father, you have provided for us a way to be victorious in this life. And, God, I pray that we would take heed, that we would listen up, that we would take advantage of all that you have given us so that we can have that victorious life. And God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Somewhere along the way, I gave it away, but years ago, for just a number of years, I had a, um, a book on my shelf, a little white book, probably about five by seven book, and on the front, it had the official, I had a picture of Colonel Reb, and it said the official playbook of the old Miss Rebels on it, and, uh, and it was kind of interesting, though, when you went to open it up, uh, it, it 
it didn't hinge on the right place. It was on the wrong side. And then, then when you opened it up, the first page was blank. And then the second page was blank. And then the third page was blank. And, of course, it was somebody's idea of a joke. And I'm sure that same printing company had another one that said Mississippi State's great plays and another one that said LSU's great plays. The idea is we all know if in sports, and this is football time, this is, this is we're all excited about SEC college football. We know that if you had another person's playbook, if you really knew what they were going to do, you'd be very successful, right? I mean, that's, that's why it's against the rules. It's why Belichick got in trouble for taping practices. And, you know, there's all of these things. You don't do that. You don't steal someone's playbook. Because if you got the playbook, man, you, you know what to do. You know their strategies, you know their schemes, you know their plans, and you can prepare accordingly and you can stop whatever they do. Well, it's very interesting here, the Apostle Paul says, Satan is out to get you. He says, you're not fighting against regular old flesh and blood, skin and bones, human beings. He says, you're, you're fighting against spiritual powers of darkness. And man, that sounds scary, like what in the world are we going to do? But you know what he says? He says, guess what? God's already taken care of preparing you for the devil's schemes. You know, the Bible tells us in many places that Satan can't really shock us and surprise us with something he's never done before. Satan, for all his uh, intelligence, he's kind of dumb. He uses the same strategies over and over and over. His playbook is recorded. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, For we are not unaware of his schemes or his strategies, his plans. We know the way that Satan operates. We know what his playbook is. We know what he's going to run. And all we've got to do is take God's armor, the things that he has put into place for us, and we can stop what Satan is trying to pull on us. So this morning, I want us to take a look at this, a passage from Ephesians where we, where we usually look at the armor of God. But I want to look at it from the reverse side, look at the strategies of Satan, the devil's playbook. Let's think this morning about what the devil is trying to do to you, how he wants to ruin your life, and how following God's ways will protect you from harm. 6D He's got a 6D playbook is what I call it. And somebody, don't get worried. We'll be quick on each of these 6Ds. But the devil has 6Ds in his playbook. The number one is deceit. Think about what the devil did back in the very beginning. He didn't force that old fruit up into Adam and Eve's mouth. He didn't tie them down. He deceived them. Jesus said that the devil is the father of all lies. And that is, in fact, this first play is really the summation of every other play that he had. They're all just variations of this one. When you, when a, when you believe a lie, it's, you think it's reality and you do the wrong thing. When the light, the truth is shown on that lie, it loses its power. Lies have no power once you know they're false. And Satan does everything he can to keep you from the truth. He does this in more than one way. One, he'll, he'll tell individual lies. He'll get a, a person or a people or a whole culture to believe individual lies. But he'll also get people to question the very concept of truth. Think about it now when people say a falsehood publicly. 
they come out and they, they'll later, if they are forced to by the Twitter mob that comes after them, they might say, well, I misspoke. You know, I didn't really mean that. Or more likely, rather than even saying they misspoke, well, they, they'll say, well, I know that such and such and such and such, but I spoke my truth. You see, we're in this world where we don't have a concept anymore of the truth. We say her truth, his truth, their truth, my truth. And we so diluted the concept of truth that it means nothing anymore. You know what your truth is? Your truth is your opinion. There is one truth and it doesn't belong to me or to you or anybody but God. And that truth is truth. And Satan wants us to to either believe individual lies or question the whole idea of truth in the first place. Remember, this is not something new, although it's just pervasive in our society today. It's not something new. Do you remember that, that when Jesus was on trial? You remember Pilate? He was confronted with the truth and he said, what is truth? You see, there's for a long time people have been just trying to wiggle out of truth. But the thing about um, God's word, he tells us here, he says, gird up yourself with truth. Put on the belt of truth, all right? Uh, Some of you have, you may have certain outfits, certain britches that you need that belt of truth. You know, you you need, because you want everything to stay where it is. You don't want it to slip. You don't want it to budge. Well, back then, they had all these robes and all this kind of stuff. But the first thing you had to do before you could put on any of the armor, you had to tie everything up. You know, back in those days, they might have this long, flowing robes. You say, how'd they run in that? How'd they fight in that? They didn't like that. They pulled them up, and then they wrapped them up in a belt, and they got all things. They were kind of girdles, but a different purpose of girdle. I mean, they were, they were hurling everything together, not so much in, but they would gird themselves uh, with this belt to hold everything together. And the first thing he says is, gird yourself with truth. This is the very first, before you even put on that armor, you have to come to this place in your life where you say, I am seeking the truth. I'm seeking the the real truth, not his truth, her truth, society's truth, but God's truth, which is the one truth. And you surround yourself with truth because Satan's number one strategy is deceit. It's lies. It's trickery. And all throughout the Bible, The Bible speaks of Satan's deceit, his schemes, his tricks, his lies. And we have to have that foundational thing where we wrap ourselves up in truth. So that's what putting on that belt or girding yourself with truth. The belt of truth means I am committing myself to the truth. Satan's number one scheme is deceit. My number one defense is I'm going to believe the truth. I'm going to seek out the truth. I'm going to live out the truth. So the second thing that Satan wants us to do, his second strategy is disqualification. Now, when you look at these verses where he describes what we do, he says, first, you know, you put on that that, that thing, that armor. Um, And so he talks about, There's a a belt of truth and a body armor of God's righteousness. And the older versions will say the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, you're covering your heart. This is something that the Bible says all throughout Old Testament and New Testament. 
And, and the, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, said, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. And so the second D that Satan wants to do, he wants to disqualify you. And so he wants you to just kind of ignore your character, to say that it doesn't matter. Don't tend to your heart. Let you get drawn in by other people and their influence their, their pressure, the world and the society, just kind of let your heart go along and, and, and don't worry about your heart. It'll be fine. But God knows that what's on the inside is ultimately what comes out. So this breastplate of righteousness, this is protecting the vital organs, most of all, protecting your heart from ungodly influences. These can be the things that you read, these can be things on the internet that you're surfing. This can be stuff that you watch. These can be people who are in your family or work with you or people you're in school with, whatever. The people you're around will influence you, and you've got to be very conscientious when you see bad influences coming that you guard against them, that you say, this is my heart. My heart is precious. God tells you your heart is precious. And it should be guarded. You know, sometimes we talk about this in romantic relationships, and that's important. But this isn't just about romance. This is about every part of your heart. Your heart is the core of who you are, your desires, your emotions, your will. And you need to guard that because Satan is going to try to disqualify you. He's going to try to let you get you know, penalized in life to get off the playing field for a while when your moral character which has been unguarded, you haven't watched your heart, and you start to drift off, and you start to do things you shouldn't, and all of, a second, all of a sudden, you're in the penalty box of life. You're out of the game for a while because you've steered far away. So we have to say, I'm not going to be disqualified. I'm going to protect my heart with that breastplate of righteousness. The third strategy he gives here is dismissal. He says that, the verse 15 says, For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared. The dismissal is, I'm dismissive of preparation. I don't need to worry about being prepared. You know, whatever's going to happen, I, God's with me, and I don't need to prepare, and I don't really need to think ahead. I just can kind of go with the flow. And Satan wants Christians to have that dismissive attitude towards preparation, towards being ready. Because he knows that in the middle of the battle, what wins is not just what happens in the battle, but it's what's before the battle. We know that on the championship field or court or whatever it is, it is the preparation. It is the practice. It is the hours of grinding and being ready for that battle, for that championship, for that game. That's what determines the outcome. And here in this passage, Jesus says, don't be that way. Paul is teaching us that we need to be prepared, have your feet prepared with the gospel of truth. What that means is that you are prepared to go anywhere, to do anything at any time for Jesus' sake and for his name. In another book, Paul tells us that we are always to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. So if I was to stop the service right now and say, 
Uh, Mott, could you give me the reason? You know, she ought to be able to stand up and do it. And, and this afternoon, and if someone stops you in Walmart and says, why are you different? Or why do you believe this way? Or if they pull you aside at work, anywhere, anytime, you should be ready to live out your faith, to take advantage of the things that you are going through. You know, I was, um, I was so proud just talking uh, to Courtney when she went through, she was telling me about her Rush experience at Mississippi State. She decided to go through Rush as a sophomore. And she was talking about going to the different houses and visiting the different things. And, and I said, well, how'd that go? How'd you experience it? She said, well, really one thing that I tried to do is that every place I went, I always brought up my relationship with the Lord. She said, because I wanted to see how they responded to that, because I knew that if they didn't respond positively to that, that that wasn't the group of girls that I wanted to be associated with. And I'm going to tell you, a dad's heart was real proud right then, you know. And, and the idea that, hey, I'm not ashamed. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. Uh, if someone was to ask me about my faith, I wouldn't have to say, can I get back to you in a week. I need to go talk to my uh, preacher and kind of get a little, you know, get caught up to speed and then pray a lot. And then I'll be able to talk to you about my faith and what Jesus means to me and what he's done in my life. But rather that you have an ongoing relationship with God so that you are ready to share the good news. And this is not something big and theological and that you've got to learn an outline. I may have told you guys before, but the, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the churches where I was a, an associate pastor, the pastor left and he got a, got a brand new job up at denominational headquarters and, and we were happy for him, but it was a tough time. And so all this stuff, all of a sudden, pastor's just gone. And so associate pastor, uh, part-time associate pastor, I was going to seminary. All of a sudden I had to jump in and do all this stuff that I'd never done before. And one of it was we had this, this evangelism type class that we were doing. And not only were we learning this method of evangelism, um, but we were also going out and visiting or making phone calls. And, and, and every single week we were reaching out to people. And so, so I took over this program halfway through. It was a 13-week program or 16-week program. And I remember one of the ladies coming to me. Her name was, um, her name was Judy, and she was a uh, school administrator. And so Judy said, I, I'm struggling because we've got this outline, and the outline was called faith, and you had to learn. You know, F was for forgiveness, and A was for it's available, and, and all this stuff. And she said, she's feeling really bad because she said, you know, I, this is just hard for me. I, I, I don't, I'm not good at doing this with this outline. And I said, well, Judy, tell me about, you know, yourself and, and, and how you share your faith. And come to find out, Judy was at her school talking to kids and to teachers and everywhere she was, she was constantly sharing her faith just through her life. And I said, Judy, forget that outline and don't ever worry about it again. If an outline is helpful to you in sharing your faith, great. But the gospel, not some man-made outline, is what this is about. It's about telling people about Jesus, who you love, who loved you first and who forgave you, and, and, and about how someone else can experience that same love and forgiveness. And so we come to this place where we have to say, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be alert. The Bible talks about being sober-minded. It talks about being prepared. It talks about being ready for the Lord's coming and ready for all opportunities because the time is short. So we don't need to have this dismissive type attitude where we just say, eh, whatever. 
but we are ready. Number four thing Satan loves to do, his fourth strategy is doubt. It's doubt. You know, if, if, he, can, if he can't get you uh, away from, from God completely, he'll, he'll try to put some little doubts in there. He'll try to throw his fiery darts at you. And so if you are doubting your faith, if you are questioning and wondering, guess what? You're not going to go out and loudly proclaim God when you're not even sure about him. And when you're not even sure about whether this is really the right way or what you should do, you're just going to be kind of stuck because you're caught up in all these kind of doubts. And Satan loves to get you to doubt. And he'd love for you he loves for you to forget all the things that God has done for you in the past and, and all the ways you know that he's true and that he's come through. And he'll bring one little question which you can't even, I don't even know. And he wants you to doubt him. And the idea here is that these fiery darts of Satan, what they were used for back in the old days, these were actually arrows, long flaming arrows. And they would be fired at the enemy so that they could hit the shield, this large shield. The, the Greeks and the Romans these used these very large shields. You could almost hide your whole body behind if you kind of crouched a little bit. But then if, you're, if your shield got on fire, what did you do? You threw it away. You are unprotected. When you're unprotected, you run away because you're scared and you can't do anything. And that's what doubts do to us. But what the folks did to fight against that is that they would cover their shields with a, with a layer of level, leather or some kind of simple, similar material, and they would soak it in water so that when it was water-soaked, these fiery darts, they'd come and they'd hit, they'd be stopped by the wood, but that wet leather would put out the fire, and they could keep standing and keep fighting and be in the battle, and all of a sudden, they were level-headed, they hadn't lost their heads, they hadn't run away, they weren't, you know, just terrified. They were still standing firm. And so here where the Bible says, take up the shield of faith, that you know what you believe, that you pour yourself into God and his word and you spend time with him and you remember, maybe you even do it by journaling, or whatever, however you do it, but you remember, you you. Recite to yourself, sometimes God has been good, he's been faithful, he brought me through this, he brought me through that, and guess what? I know he's going to bring me through this time too, because I believe in him. I trust in what he's done for me, and I'm standing on that foundation. So the devil pulls out these seeds of doubt, we pull up the shield of faith. The fifth strategy, the fifth D of, of Satan's playbook is discouragement. Man, Satan loves nothing more than to get us down and discouraged and disillusioned. And we can still believe all the same stuff, have all the same theology. We can get so discouraged when we forget about what's really happening, what's really there. See, when we get discouraged, it's generally because we fixate, we zoom in, and we focus on some bad situation in our life that's going on right now. And we look at that, and we think, I don't know how I'm going to take that or do anything about that. I'm so down. I'm so beat up. I'm so discouraged. And we get in the dumps, and, and we're not much good fighting the battle. 
But God says, take up the helmet of salvation. That is, let your mind be filled with the truth of God's salvation. And what has God done for us? He has saved us, not just from our past sins, our present sins, but in our future. We have a glorious future ahead for us. There's an old statement that I love, and it says, when Satan brings up, reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. You see, do you get that? When he reminds you of your past, when he tries to bring up the stuff that God's already forgiven you of, you remind him of his future. Satan, where are you going to be? I'm going to be in glory with Jesus. And you're going to be forever in the lake of fire where you can't touch me or anyone else or cause anyone harm. And you, uh, you're going to lose. As the old saying goes, we've read the end of the book. We know what happens in the end. We know that all the struggle and all the strife and all the strain we go through is worth it because we've got glory in heaven waiting for us. We've got a place where there'll be no more tears. And Satan has the opposite. And so no matter how much you maybe think he's whooping me right now, uh, this is tough, I'm discouraged, remember the end of the story. Remember what's coming. Get your head in the game and remember you've been saved You've been sanctified. You've been brought into God's family. And guess what? God's got you. He says, those that are in my hand, no man can snatch them away. You are secure in God's hands. And so you take that helmet of salvation to remember what God has done for you, that your future is glorious, and Satan can mess with you a little right now, but his day's coming. So you just keep on keeping on. The sixth and final in this playbook of Satan we see here is disrespect. Disrespect. Throughout this passage, it tells us to pray at all times and to stay alert and to to look for God in his mighty power. And what Satan wants us to do, if he can't get us from believing and trusting and wanting fully and can't discourage us to live the Christian life, the last thing he has left is like, I'm going to fill them with pride. And I'm going to get him, I'm going to get her to try to live the Christian life in her own strength, in his own strength. And I'm going to get them to be arrogant and self-righteous and puff their chest up and judge everybody else and talk about, you know, think about how great a Christian they are. Because if Satan can get that kind of attitude and that mindset He knows he's going to take you out on the battlefield because guess what? Your strength is nothing. Your strength is small. God says, I I delight in taking weakness, and that's how my power is made known. It's God's power, though. So Satan wants us to get this place where we just kind of feel like God's lucky to have us on his team. And we kind of disrespect God, and we get away from God, and we start to get prideful. That's what he wants to happen. But God says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. God says, pray at all times and all occasions on the spirit. God is saying, all this stuff I've given you, this armor is not just some step that you can have that you become great on your own. It is rather tools that you use to embrace me, to get closer to me. And as long as you remember that I am the source of your strength and that I am the one who is giving you the ability and that I'm directing you, then you're going to have 
the victory. You see, if we have, if we had these things that God has called us to do, if we trust him and believe him enough to hang in there, he says we can stand. He won't make us stand, by the way. We still have to make that choice that we're going to stand. And that's why Paul tells us a whole bunch of times, stand firm, stand your ground, stay where you are. Don't let Satan push you over. But he doesn't say that because you're big and bad and awesome, Mr. or Miss Christian. He says with God's strength, with his armor, his protection, his might, with his direction, you can stand firm and you can be safe in the battle. I, I want to tell you this morning, it, it's, um, it, it's amazing to me sometimes how people want to just kind of forget battlefields. We forget there's an enemy. Do you know what's going on, the tragedy that's going on in Afghanistan? It just reminded us that there truly is evil in this world. And there truly are those on a, on a physical level that are ready to take advantage And what God has told us is that in the spiritual realm, the same exact thing is true. You can forget or ignore the fact that you're in a battle, but that doesn't stop Satan from going after you. That just means he's tearing you up on the unseen realm, (laughs) that you are being defeated constantly because he doesn't stop and take a time out just because you do. But God says, guess what? If you follow my instructions... I know exactly his playbook, and so I've given you the exact instructions to counteract everything he does, to protect you against his lies. You trust in my truth. You begin with a commitment to God's truth, and then you follow each of those areas of truth, protecting your heart, remembering your salvation, all these things he tells us. And he says, you will be able to stand in the evil day against the evil one. Stand with God's armor. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's incredible how arrogant we can become, thinking we can succeed on our own, Lord. And without you, God, we have nothing when facing the fiery darts of the evil one. But, Lord, you can equip us. And I pray that each person here today, that all of us will say, God, I don't want to be just naive and stupid. I don't want to be unfaithful to you. I want to realize that I'm in a spiritual battle. And, God, that I need you. And I know that I can only stand through you and through prayer and through leaning on Jesus, through following his word, through being faithful, through trusting and obeying. God, we can believe, we can trust that you are our security. We don't need those security blankets anymore. We don't need those stuffed animals anymore. God, our security comes from trusting you. And when we do that, we can fight the battle and be victorious. Help us to choose each day to live out that victorious life. 
God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our time of invitation is open now. God has been speaking.